we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. I'm very, very pleased to introduce someone who is in the uh, higher echelon of esports. I think just to put this as plainly as I can, TSM FTX, one of the premier esports organizations in the entire world, and this is the vice president of the esports division. This is TSM FTX. Dominic. I'm also joined here by Ventus Official. I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you as fancy of an intro, Ventus, but I'm really pleased to have you on because you suggested that I go for this, that we have Dominic onto the podcast. So Dominic, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I'll just go ahead and launch off with the uh, first question. This is sort of a, an icebreaker. You spent time in the world of finance before getting into esports. You spent time over at Gen G and in the beginning of this year announced your intention to join TSM. So I'm always curious about how viable the realm of esports is. And to a certain degree, it can be very, very successful. Of course, TSM is a great example of that. Of course, there are also instances where esports can be just sort of the degenerate stuff where there's an organization trying to do good, but then it kind of falls into the weeds. Some esports are not very profitable, all that kind of stuff. And you come from a finance background. So you probably, safe to say, are very passionate about esports in general. But what else would have caused you to say, I can make this financially viable for myself and I can also allow whoever I join and whoever I work for to succeed financially as well? Yeah, definitely. So um, I definitely didn't come from the, the grassroots of, of esports, but, um, you know, from being in the finance ecosystem where I was, I predominantly worked in private equity, which is, you know, uh, acquiring large private companies, cleaning them up, um, merging them together, and then uh, selling them off to other companies. And while that was a lot of fun, um, that is a very, very different business model than esports, right? Um, and so at the time, um, I was looking at a certain opportunity within video game design uh, automation software, and um, we're looking at a few different companies in that industry. And that's where we basically saw um, the emergence, or I started to see the emergence of, you know, sports and technology coming together as one. Um, and you that was probably around 2014, 2015. And this is where you really started to see the heyday of esports start to rise to success, right? And I think this is also the heyday of TSM. Um, and so throughout that whole process and throughout that whole initiative, um, we started to see ways where a younger audience was uh, spending a bunch of their time playing video games. And when you have a large enough audience that is spending their time in one area or one uh, sector, um, that's where marketers want to reach. And it's really, really hard to reach young audiences. And so that was probably around the time where I was like, oh, hey, this is where people are spending their time. This is where marketers are trying to reach. And that's where it becomes viable, right? Um, when you have large marketing companies starting to spend millions and millions of dollars to market to this young audience, um, that's that's when you can create a successful industry or su successful sort of cohort. Um, and so that's why I thought it would um, be, be a great area to invest and spend my time. And, and that that's kind of what led to the jump. So you have a lot of different responsibilities that you already have your hands full with over at TSM. You're trying to get all the processes down. I heard that word a couple of different times, so I had to say it again here. You yeah. wanted to get all that kind of growing business stuff taken care of, make sure that there are things put together so that it's not just about 
oh, well, hey, hey, we're growing. Cool. We're doing awesome stuff. Cool. Paperwork? Yeah. What's paperwork? And then you also want to be in the business of winning. That's a huge part of your responsibility and what you want to do with TSM. And so I look at something that's besides league, other high-profile esports. And since I come from Smash, from Melee, from Ultimate as well, I'm curious what your perception is just as an outsider looking in since you yourself, before we started recording here, you said, I don't have a ton of experience within Smash. I saw you on Stan's, the Stan's show, and Stan's is connected to Ludwig, and Ludwig comes yep. from Smash. So you know what the games are, but yep. I'm just curious what your perspective is of that franchise. Yeah, no, uh, I'm a big, big fan of Stan's and everything that he's doing. And, you know, obviously he's even competed at a couple small tournaments here with Atrioc. And so I uh, want to support him on his initiatives wherever possible. I think Smash is really, really interesting because it's one of the few ecosystems within esports that's 100% fan and crowd driven, right? Like the publisher itself is actively trying to destroy the ecosystem. Um, and will go out of its way to shut down tournaments, to shut down what is essentially free marketing of their game um, because they want to see that their game played in a certain way with all the items on or all these different features, which doesn't make the game competitive. But the community has found a way to um, make a game not only competitive, but then within the COVID area was able to create new technology so that you could play the game in a re remote environment with Slippy. Um, and be able to compete uh, in, in, in that capacity as well, which I thought was freaking amazing. Um, but now you're even seeing large tournament producers that have used to put on Melee, like Evo basically say, hey, we're not even keeping that game alive or we're not using that game anymore, which is really disappointing to see, right? Um, so I think it's a really, really cool ecosystem. I love that it's 100% fan-grown and fan-driven. Um, but it makes it also hard for large teams and publishers to invest a ton of money into the ecosystem when they actively know that the publisher is trying to destroy that ecosystem as a whole. Um, and so I think you will see more people like Ludwig and Atrioc and people who reached other forms of success, not directly through Smash, um, try to support the ecosystem and keep it alive for as long as possible. Um, and you see how it's even been you know fundamental to the success of tsm with um leffen and with tweak um there are large organizations out there who still find a lot of value in supporting the ecosystem supporting the top players within that ecosystem and you know having a, a high level of competition at its purest form that's amazing to me okay so on both of the appearances that I watched you interview on, you're sort of, uh, I think you're doing a great job of trying to answer questions, but also to be respectful of TSM, the players, relationships, trying to make sure not to overstep into any sort of, hey, you know, we want to keep those kind of in-house conversations in-house. I'm not just going to spell everything out. And so there were some comments or some people saying, you know, you're, you're kind of dodging questions or however you want to phrase it. You just came out rather strongly just now. Not that I'm going to, that's not going to be the Twitter clip necessarily, but it's like yeah. you're using, you're saying words like slippy. What? You're saying that the, the uh, publisher and Nintendo in this instance is actively trying to disregard, destroy, undermine the workings of the grassroots smash community, which is true. I mean, I say that yeah. all the time, but I wasn't ready for you to say that. Would you, would you be willing to explain sort of the perspective of why you would, I don't know, want to, 
call it like it is with that specifically? Is it because you already know because of Tweak, because of Leffen and talking with them, that is what it is? Or what what would be the reasoning behind that? I'm just very curious. Yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's common knowledge within the ecosystem, right? Like I think you even see with, um, I mean, even the stage in the presentation of Ultimate this weekend, like it really is grassroots. Everyone's sitting on a couch. Everyone's trying to help support each other. It's a bunch, It's a group of guys going into a room and competing on the best basis that they can, where some of these other esports and ecosystems literally have full stages and publishers are coming and attending and all, all these sort of events. And I think it's just more of it is what it is, right? Um, and... I believe that there are certain people within Nintendo that want to see the success of the Melee and Ultimate community, but they may not be in positions of power to be able to promote and support that ecosystem, right? Um, and I think that's the same in, in a bunch of different uh, esports. Um, but I think we have all actively seen that... Um, ultimately, I want to see Smash succeed, right? And I want to see... All, like specifically melee, right? Like I want to see melee still be around here in you know another twenty years. Um, the only way that's going to be kept alive is through grassroots and 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 um, you know fan led initiatives, right? Um, and through people like Ludwig, right? And so I think there is much less concern of a publisher like Nintendo coming after me or coming after any of our players if their main stance has already been to, you know, stand on the side and, and ignore the, the community, where I think in some other games, if you come out and smash the publisher or smash a player in the ecosystem, there's larger ramifications that can happen from that, where in, in this sort of sense, like, we all want the Smash community to succeed, and it's just figuring out different ways to make that happen. So uh, from TSM's perspective, and this is kind of tying it back to profitability. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that you see in the Melee scene, like Golden Guardians just had a big Melee initiative, and yeah. like GG Melee is like outpacing their viewership for then like their LCS content and things totally. like that. Yep. Um, and not just games like Melee, but I do think Melee is like a fantastic example of this. Yep. I think it has an ecosystem where if you want to make a living in Melee because it is grassroots or the the game isn't the publisher isn't pumping money into the scene or not enough money to make it a full-time career, I think it incentivizes those players to become their own brands and personalities. Like, I mean, like GG Melee, when they picked up everyone, all those people are already making, they're, they're already working on their own personal branding. Um, and so on one hand, I think that's a huge upside for like a team to invest. On the other hand, you have the downside of like, okay, but the scene could be obliterated and then all that is for nothing. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side for like LCS or other leagues, I'm just curious on like, I find it hard to figure out how, like how you get a return on investment in some things. It could be very long-term, Yeah. but just balancing out like, okay, are we using them in content and like for me as I was really jaded and kind of am a little bit about esports and it being profitable. Yeah. I believe more into it now. And I was definitely jaded about TSM. I yeah. became unjaded after watching you on the stand show. And Thank the you. fact that you're doing shows like this and Hotline League has been, I was like, oh my gosh, like 
esports yeah. needs this. Um, yeah. But I guess my overall question is, especially focusing on profitability for things like League of Legends or Valorant, um, one, how much of the profitability is reliant on like being a like number one or two team? Like, do yeah. you think there's a world where if you're not a top team, you can still get some sort of positive return on investment? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, that's basically my question. Yeah, I think, I think, I think to just give you a little bit of peek behind the curtain, every single esport has different levers and pulleys to make money, right? Mm -hmm. um, so for some games, that's going to be purely prize pool, right? Like, hey, I need to be the best at this game. Um, there's no viewership here, but if we win every single tournament, we make a good amount of money and th that's great, right? Today, in today's day and age, esports orgs almost take 0% of prize pool. Almost all of that flows right back through the player, right? So then other ways of driving money is through sponsorship uh, capabilities. And to tell you the truth, I think Stans has mentioned this on a show, sponsorship drives the majority of revenue within esports. So if you are a large brand and you are able to bring in large, powerful sponsors, you're more likely to be able to have the resources to go and do cool things, but also to be profitable, right? Well, you've seen a bunch of orgs out there that, you know, have only, you know, a G Fuel sponsorship and um, a chair sponsorship and then throw that they're sponsored by Twitch, but it's just, they're, they have streamers on Twitch, right? Like, and, and that's their group. And to tell you the truth, there are some orgs that operate at a basis where that's all that they need, right? But for an org like TSM that has, you know, large sponsorship groups and, and large um, sponsorship amounts from FTX, from Geico, from Logitech that are long-term lasting sponsorships, these tend to be much larger deals, right? So that's probably where a big percent of money comes from. Other parts are from skin sales, right? Um, and so that can be what was done in Valorant where, you know, you make it the champions and um, they take, they sell a skin and then that gets split in between all teams um, that can. And so you've seen that across rainbow sticks. You've seen that across apex. You've seen that across a bunch of different titles where skin sales that benefits teams, same with PUBG, right? Um, in some of these titles, there's leagues, which will pay you stipends, right? for you having a team in that league, they will pay you a certain amount of money. And that's how Riot League of Legends used to do it way back in the day, right? Um, where they would basically pay each team a small amount of money so that you would stay in the ecosystem and you will build a team. Um, other ways are through streaming and media deals. So a lot of the large Chinese and LCK teams have large streaming deals there. Um, you know, TSM has, a, uh, you know, has, has streaming deals. There's other teams here in North America that have streaming deals. Um, what else? Um, content revenue through YouTube, right? So some of these large organizations have massive YouTube accounts. And when you run sponsorship dollars against those, that sort of thing, you can actually make pretty good money as an org from that sort of sense. Selling merch. Merch, even though it has very, very small margins, you can still sell large revenue amounts. Even if the margins on that are very small, you still get to recognize that revenue as, as revenue that it comes in. Um, and then you're starting to see a lot of esports teams start to do strategic side businesses. So for Gen G, that was education and, you know, private school and teaching initiatives there. You have TSM with Blitz and, you know, earlier on having other sort of 
pro teaching tools and websites and, and all that sort of capabilities. You have fanatics selling hardware. You got hundred thieves buying a keyboard brand and doing all that sort of stuff. So what I just told you right there is about 10 to 15 different ways that esports orgs can make money. Everyone's trying to figure out their own business model and figuring out ways to not only make revenue, but also make sure that that's profitable at the end of the day. Because guess what? You can sell 50 million in merch, but if it costs you 60 million to make all that merch, that's not the best business model, right? And so it's it's really thinking about that too, of, of what are the profit margins on all these different bases. And so thinking about that from an org where maybe you're, you know, a, a brand that I really love in the ecosystem is like Panda Global, right? Like they run a small ecosystem, but they know what they do. They're very good at it and they sell good strategic sponsorships and they don't sell them that, hey, we're the biggest esport in the brand in the world, they say, no, we're one of the best smash and melee brands in the ecosystem, but we also sell, um, I think they sell like a, a box and like controllers and they sell other components within that ecosystem that makes sense for them, right? And so understanding also that esports, every esports org also has different goals and ambitions of what of level of level of success they're trying to reach. It's crazy Damn. to me. You were talking about skins earlier. There's a Melee Fox skin that's TSM themed that somebody made for Eleven. They just did it for mm -hmm. free. Yeah. But like, there's there's something that you just wouldn't have with a Nintendo title for Melee specifically. But those are so many different ideas of in terms of ways for an esports org to bring in income. It it doesn't always seem like it's necessarily viable. But I think that if you were to get into any other business, you would quickly discover. Oh wait. <laughs> It's hard to make money at first. You really yes. have to, you have to, it's a, it's a bunch of different things. You have to get somebody yep. who has a deep pocket to believe in you more often than not to at least start. But it's yep. really, really cool to hear how you were able to perform well, be able to make positive differences at the organizations you were previously working at and now at TSM. I noticed in the two interview pieces that I saw you participate in, uh, the the positive attitude that you put out, and this is something that resonates with me because I try really hard to do that with my podcast and interacting with people who are either just listening or engage on Twitter, wherever. So I'm just curious from your perspective, your positive attitude, of course, will carry you sometimes, but of course it's also about results. How much, How much does it matter to you how you conduct yourself, not just in terms of a performing person, oh great, let's hire that person because they'll make our organization successful, but also about the interpersonal relationships. Yeah, definitely. I think communication is one of the most important skills that you can develop as an individual, and it'll carry you in every aspect of life. Um, and usually when you meet someone, you never know shaking that person's hand if that person is a CEO of a business or if it's someone who's working at a coffee shop. But guess what? That person who's working at a coffee shop could, within a few years, you know, run and be a CEO of one of the most successful businesses in the world. So treating everyone with respect and being nice and kind to everyone and understanding that everyone has something interesting to say and for that you can learn something from everyone um, will carry you far in life. Um, and so that's something that I was sort of taught at a young age and have kind of kind of continued going forward. We're all going to run into rough days. We're all going to run into rough situations. Um, but if you let that energy sort of feed onto other people that you interact with or 
um, you know, whether that's players, whether that's coaching, then you ruin someone else's day based on something that wasn't in their control. Right. Um, and so for me, it's like, if I can always share a positive attitude and give, make people excited to work with me and excited about the initiatives that I'm working on and excited about the things that we're doing here internally, then that's likely to make someone's life better. And ultimately that's what we want at the end of the day. Vences, what do you got? Well, so speaking of uh, doing things internally, on yeah. Hotline League, my specific call was basically um, what were the problems in esports and how is TSM addressing it? Yeah. And to what I got out of that call was basically like TSM currently um, feels more disjointed than it should be. Like things yeah. aren't lining up or um, they're not synergizing as well as they could. And if it was synergizing better, like you'd just be way more efficient. Yeah. And I have a few friends and multiple esport orgs who have told me that similar things to like, that is the problem they're tackling, which is crazy. Cause I'm like, man, from an outside perspective, I think most fans assume that everything is running as efficiently as possible in esports. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it is. And now it's like, Oh, it really isn't. And so th that's kind of optimistic. Cause it's like, I can't wait for things to be better. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I'm curious, what are some examples of what that actually looks like? And then also yeah. balancing like the corporate side of TSM with the esports side. And I don't know how investor heavy or like corporate TSM is, um, but like balancing those two sides of things where it's like, okay, we want to do this really professionally or like where your background in finance and how the systems work there, which is a more yeah. professional field to like the nitty gritty kind of like wild west that esports is but is like hurting because it isn't like system doesn't have like good systems in place yet and balancing those two things totally um i think it's comes down to more of just an explanation of growth right so if you look at the very like initial kernel of esports i look at something like moist critical right like he is literally starting to build his own esports org very similar to what andy did back in 2011 2014 but the issue now in 2022 is you have way more social media and invisibility on that sort of stuff so i think if if i got things correct like most critical will eventually like to build an esports org as big and as prominent as tsm right eventually one day and what happened with tsm is we they were really at a point where they were growing with their small group of i'd say five or six individuals that that was their only focus right like tsm was the only focus lcs was the only focus and then as they started to grow and really get to a big enough point you had multiple key members of that decision tree leave and that causes in whole. And then you have other key members of that initial team start to focus on other things, right? Focus on blitz, focus on other um, initiatives that are going here internally. So what you're actually looking within TSM is helping rebuild the group that's 100% focused on esports. And that is why I was brought in, right? Is to be 100% focused on that esports group to then help start to bring a lot of these things under a single umbrella like it was before. Um, and that change is has been rough, right? Like it hasn't been um, a smooth transition like it is with, with say other changes or, or new eras, right? Like let's just be blunt and honest about that. Um, but I think the hope here is that while we go through kind of this rebuilding process, I think we talked about this on stands and, and hotline league a little bit. 
as I start to work on kind of fixing that and, and bringing that all together again here in 2022, I think you'll start to see more of an aligned message. But again, marketing and a lot of those initiatives were led by other people that have left the organization, right? And so when you're asking about like, hey, why does it look disjointed? It's like, oh, because we are hiring like a VP of marketing. If you look on our on our, our website, it's like, no, we need that person to come in to help with that storytelling and would help with that brand. Oh, Andrew just left because he used to be head of legends that was done here for seven years. Yeah, there was people on his team, but guess what? That probably needs to be filled and it's going to take time. And so a lot of these things of like, a group of people leaving that been here for such a long time and were part of that core initial group, transitioning to new people taking over that roles, it feels choppy and it feels like disjointed to your point, right? Um, but I think what you'll hopefully start to see here is, um, you know, within another, you know, six months to a year, a lot of these storylines will start to come together and it, it, it will seem more like the TSM of before where, you know, you have a singular sort of group and a singular sort of message and branding can be a little bit more aligned and that sort of stuff. Well, right now it's a lot of people just covering for other people's holes that are within the org. And that's the same in any sort of company. Um, and, but, you know, hats off to, um, you know, uh, I'd say probably to 100 Thieves who've done an amazing job and John has built an amazing team there. But again, that is a little bit easier when the initial founding team that started 100 Thieves is still there throughout that whole process as you start to add more people onto it. Instead of, hey, we built this product and now we're trying to change, you know, we're, we're trying to change an airplane engine while we're 10,000 feet up in the air. Um, and so that's, that's why it can feel a little bit awkward or weird uh, compared to maybe what's going on at other esports orgs. But I think you've probably talked to your friends in the industry, you'll start to find out the grass isn't always greener on the other side, that almost every single of one of these esports orgs is going through their own issues, through their own sort of, you know, um, problems. And, and that's good. That means like we're all working on solutions. We're all trying to fix these things. We're trying to make it a good ecosystem for everyone involved. Um, but it's hard. It's not easy. Running a business is not easy. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're still living in this facade or this, this hype dream that any 15-year-old kid can basically have this dream that, screw it, I don't want to go and get a real-life job. I just want to be in competitive esports I want to, or I want to be a content streamer, and I can be as big and as popular as Snoop Dogg, right? And so that's what the goal of all these esports orgs are trying to do and still help cultivate and create is keeping that aesthetic that that dream is still alive. We are up against it in terms of time, so we want to be respectful of yours, Dominic. Thank you so much for joining me in Ventus. I'll just plug no ourselves real quick. You can find me at Cypher003 and at BSM Pod for the podcast on Twitter. You can follow Ventus over at Remarkable Matt with three T's at the end. And then for you, Dominic, it is at Callus Dominic on Twitter. But is there any other place where you want the people to find you or to where to support TSM FTX? No, uh, this uh, continue to check out the rest of uh, Benedict's content and like and subscribe. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, thank you guys. Thank you.